gather together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero Superman Superman. Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring the thrilling adventures of Superman, Golden Age Superman, the Superman Fan Podcast, Superman in the Bronze Age, From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman Podcast, The New 52 Adventures of Superman, Superman Forever Radio, I've got a few things to say about Superman. The Kara's World Podcast. The Superman Vidcast. The world's best podcast. And Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, J. David Weeder, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Danny Sapp, Cayman Stoll, I'm Isaac, I'm Adam, Dave Eunice, and co host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com. Up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more supermanhomepage.com it's a wonderful life will not be seen this year in its place is the following <laughs> here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Right down Santa Claus Lane. Vixen and Blitzen and all his reindeer pulling on the rain. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. Hang your stockings and say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. Gosh, this is fun. Yeah, <laughs> come on, let's all join in. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He's got a bag that is filled with toys for the boys and girls one day. Hear those sleigh bells jingle, jangle. Oh, what a beautiful sight. Jump in bed, cover up your head. <laughs> well, I got my stocking cap on, but I can't sleep. Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. He doesn't care if you reach your port, for he loves you just the same. Santa knows we're all God's children. Christmas, Merry Christmas, boys and girls. Here comes Santa 
Episode 64 of Superman in the Bronze Age and our third annual Christmas Spectacular. My name is Charlie Niemeyer and I'll be your guide through the merry festivities today. And I know that this is the holiday season and the best thing to get for your loved ones is comic books. Well, the best place to do that is Discount Comic Book Service. DCBS is an online comics retailer that offers comic fans the comics they need at the prices they want, with monthly specials that range from 45 to 75% off the retail price, and over 13,000 individual collected editions and graphic novels in stock, DCBS is the one-stop shop that every comic fan longs for. You can find them on the web at www.dcbsservice.com, and please also be sure to check their visit or to visit their sister stores in stock trades and my digital comics and a special thank you to dcps for another year of sponsorship for this show uh i would not be able to keep bringing it to you without their assistance now before i get into the festive fiction i chose for today's episode i've got some listener feedback this one comes from little russell bragg and he writes Hi, you sounded a little sad about not getting any comments or emails last episode, so I thought I'd write you. I cannot comment much on the issues talked about since I don't have those particular comics. It's alright. But the episode was great. I don't really mind super ventriloquism. You and few others. I would think it would come in handy at times, like in the Superman issue, to get away from Lois so he could change to Superman. I'm not saying it's one of his best powers but I don't think of it as lame. And this is me talking here. Um, Russell, it's not one of his worst. There's a couple that are actually literally Silver Age gimmicky. It's just, it's not, it, it's one of the lazy ones because they couldn't figure out how to get out of c- certain situations. And whenever they use it, it just kind of irks me and reminds me of that. Um, let's see... Going back to the note, where was I? Ah, I was wondering, unless you're keeping it a secret, if you could talk a little bit about your new podcast, Charlie's Geekcast. It sounds very interesting. Well, I guess that's all this time. Hope you're doing Christmas-themed stories, Christmas-themed stories this time out. I love those. Keep up the great work and have a very merry Christmas and a rambunctious New Year, Russell Bragg. Well, thank you, Russell. Um, uh, I am putting together a new show called Charlie's Geekcast. Basically, it's a show that's going to let me talk about whatever I feel like talking about that doesn't necessarily have something to do with Superman. See, while I love doing this show, it's a very niche niche show covering a specific era of a specific character. And while I do love covering this era of Superman, and Superman in particular, there is just so much other stuff that I like, and I want to you know, be able to talk about it and stuff that I don't get to because it doesn't relate to this show. So... 
uh, I decided to go ahead and start a new show that would allow me to do just that. The show will debut on January 1st and will come out during the weeks that this show doesn't come out. At least that's the plan for now. Um, with two episodes a month, one episode will focus on comics and the other one's going to focus on other forms of media. I've already got some guests planned to talk about stuff with and I'm really looking forward to it. So make sure you check it out. Uh, it'll start January 1st at www.charliesgeekcast.com and on iTunes. Uh, the feed has already been approved. You can already subscribe to it. The promo is already there. So feel free to check it out. Uh, as for Christmas stuff, I really don't know what you're talking about. Uh, we don't do Christmas stuff around here. Um, sorry, but having said that, please enjoy this. Oh, here comes you know who. delicious Oh, ho, ho, I'm hungry. Santa, my pebbles! Your pebbles! Tis the season to be sharing, Fred. Happy holidays, pal. Oh, Fred. Fruity and Cocoa Pebbles cereals, part of this nutritious breakfast. <laughs> Alright, and our issue for this episode is DC Comics Presents number 67 with a cover date of March 1984. Uh, it had an on sale date of December 1st, 1983, and cover, cover cost was a whopping 75 cents. This issue features a beautiful cover by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, praise be his name, that has Superman and Santa Claus delivering presents while the toy man and his toys hide behind a chimney ready to strike. Uh, this looks amazing, and the image of Superman on here is just perfect. This would have been right around the time that Lopez was also doing all the marketing art, so it all it looks a lot like that stuff, so it looks really good. Um, I, I can't say anything bad about it. There's nothing that can be said bad anyway. Um, the title of the story is Twas the Fright Before Christmas. Co-plotter and scripter was Lynn Ween. The other co-plotter was E. Nelson Bridwell. Penciled by Kurt Swan. Inked by Murphy Anderson. Lettered by Ben Oda. Colored by Gene D'Angelo. And edited by Julie Schwartz. Christmas Eve in Metropolis where the decorated streets are full of last-minute shoppers with their bundles of holiday cheer. All except one little boy who decides to use his little pop gun to hold up a Salvation Army Santa. This catches a patrolling Superman's attention and further investigation with his X-ray vision reveals that the gun is, protect is projecting a low-grade radiation that is hypnotizing the boy. So Superman wraps the boy in his cape and flies him north to the Fortress of Solitude, where he's able to use some of his tech to break the hypnotic spell. <clears throat> When he does, the boy introduces himself as Timmy Dickens. Yes, Dickens. And says he doesn't remember anything that's happened to him for the last while. See, Jimmy is too old to believe in Santa, so he found where his parents had hidden his presents and found the pop gun. When he shot it, there was a blinding flash, and the next thing he knows, he's in Superman's fortress. So, with Timmy's permission, Superman re-hypnotizes the boy to find out exactly why someone would do this. In his trance, Timmy recants that he is supposed to steal the money from the evil Grinch disguised as Santa then take the money to the local Big Shot toy store. Afterwards, the game would be over, and he wouldn't be able to remember anything about it. Now that Superman knows who he's dealing with, the two leave the fortress and head back to Metropolis so Superman could take Timmy home. But the other spaceship toy that Timmy has been carrying throughout the whole part of the story so far 
fires some kind of blast at the Man of Steel, causing him to crash to the ground. He managed to keep Timmy safe, but the force was enough to actually knock Superman unconscious. As an arctic storm begins to build, Timmy finds himself surrounded by little men, who pick up the fallen hero and carry him away, with Timmy following along. Meanwhile, back in Metropolis, Winslow Shot, aka the Toy Man, is wondering what happened to Superman since his monitor is no longer picking up the Man of Steel. See, he'd been lucky enough to find an old meteorite laced with white dwarf star matter on sale as a paperweight, and he figured out a way to turn it into high gravity energy and put it inside his toys. Now he believes with Superman's powers cancelled out by the increasing gravity, he won't be a thorn in his side any longer. But just to be safe, he goes ahead and takes some precautions anyway. Back up north, Superman awakens to find himself surrounded by Timmy, some little men with beards, and a taller gentleman who says he's Santa Claus, and gives a loud ho ho ho. Uh, there's actually five hoes, but that didn't sound right. Never mind. So Superman doesn't believe it, since his fortress has been at the North Pole for years and there's never been any evidence of Santa's existence. But Santa's been doing this for a lot longer and knows how to stay out of sight when he wants to. Superman is still a bit out of it from the white dwarf whammy, so Santa takes the opportunity to show on or to not only show Superman and Timmy around the monitoring room where he watches over everyone to see who's been naughty and nice, but they also check in on Toy Man, who is still working on his toys in case of Superman's survival. Next up, they go to, to Santa's toy shop, where all the toys are made, although Santa himself still prefers the simpler toys of the past, which reminds Superman of a thought projector toy that Jor-El had made for him, but was lost when Krypton exploded. Next is the barn, where Santa offers his assistance in stopping Toy Man. After loading up his sleigh, Superman worries that the old man will slow him down, but on Christmas Eve, there is no one faster than Santa Claus. So they take off, but the recovering Superman can't fly for long, and they all head to Metropolis in the sleigh. In the twinkling of an eye, they land at the Big Shot toy store in Metropolis. Santa warns of Toy Man's traps inside, so Superman busts down through the chimney, catching Toy Man off guard, but not unprepared. He unleashes his army of toys at the hero, and is in his still-dazed state, Superman doesn't fare very well. Just as Superman is about to fall, Santa and a couple of his elves unleash their toys to help Superman and turn the tide of battle. While Superman fights a robot, Toy Man is about to blast him with another final blast of high-gravity energy. But Santa uses some marbles to trip up the villain so that he actually ends up shooting the robot that Superman was fighting. Superman is able to take out Toy Man and uses his supervision to watch the white dwarf energy cause the robot to fall through the ground all the way to the center of the Earth. Soon, Superman uses some super ventriloquism to call the police, because I guess the phone doesn't work, and uses Toy Man's computer to print out the list of customers who bought Toy Man's other gimmick gifts. Now fully recovered, Superman moves at super speed to fly across the country, and maybe further out? I'm not sure, it doesn't really say, but I'm guessing the, around the country, to replace all of Toy Man's toys with harmless duplicates created in Santa's workshop, leaving Timmy's toy for last. Superman is about to switch it out when it blasts Superman again. When Superman comes to, he and Timmy are back in the Arctic, alone. Superman says that he must have been having a wild dream with reindeer, elves, and believe it or not, Santa. Timmy exclaims that of course he believes in Santa, and is surprised that Superman doesn't. 
but right now, Superman isn't sure what to believe. Soon, Superman drops Timmy off at his house, then heads to 344 Clinton Street to celebrate the holidays with his friends as Clark Kent. But when he reaches in his pouch to pull out his Clark clothes, he finds the old hollow toy he had back on Krypton. He thinks that that should be impossible, but the toy projects an image of Santa Claus holding up a banner that says, Merry Christmas, Superman. Wasn't that a holly jolly bit of fun? Um, some quick notes. Uh, page one. So, Toy Man's plan basically depends on Superman spotting this one kid in the middle of a crowded city on Christmas Eve. That is just some luck he had going on right there. Page five. I'm not sure how this Superman was knocked out here when later, less powerful versions of the character could handle seeming, seemingly worse without much trouble. Just saying. Uh, I know basically the powers are dependent on the writer usually, but still. Page 11. I love how these types of stories come up with ways to explain how Santa does what he does. Here, he's using the quote-unquote latest monitoring technology apparently that doesn't involve cameras, to monitor people, and he gets a daily printout with who's been naughty and nice. I mean, I just love that stuff. Uh, page 12. The creature that Baby Kal-El is creating with his Holovid toy looks a lot like a Kryptonian version of Battle Cat from He-Man. It's a green, cat-like creature with some kind of reddish-colored armor. It's weird. Makes sense. I mean, this is 1983, so He-Man was pretty popular at this point. Uh, page 18. Toy Man versus Santa. The ultimate showdown. Was there really any question as to who was going to win this one? I mean, really? Page 20. Have I mentioned how much I love super ventriloquism? Page 22. And here is when they add in the little detail to make the reader, and the hero, wonder if the whole adventure was real or not. Not the first time someone's done this, and it won't be the last time either. But it is one of those cool things that kind of lends to the magic of Christmas. And finally, page 23. Now, is the Holovid projecting a pre-programmed image here? Or one that Superman has in his mind right now? Once again, that's open for interpretation, and once again, adds to the magic of the holiday. Now, personally, I thought this was a fun little story. Uh, the art is pretty good. It's not as good as it was when the Swanderson team worked back in the early 70s, but it's still pretty good. Uh, the story was a little corny. Uh, there are a few spots that don't quite work right, but overall, this was a fun Christmas story. It definitely gets you in the mood. Uh, it's also a representation of the kind of story you probably won't see much of anymore as I don't see them doing a Christmassy story like this in the New 52 or Marvel Now or wherever. Uh, well, maybe in Savage Dragon over at Image, but that'd probably be about it. Uh, I just, it, it's, I don't know, it's just the kind of story you don't, they don't tell in the modern age, more realistic age of comics. Uh, now, before we move on to the ads, here's another little Christmas tune. was the night before Christmas and my little boy was worried that he might get forgotten since Santa Claus is in such a big, big hurry. You see, my boy has seen a deer and a sleigh, but never anybody flying it, so 
We watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer together, but he still wasn't buying it. Well, in bed that night, his eyes lit up when I tried to explain it all to him. How all year long the elves plant and they grow this special kind of grain, you see? And how the FAA and the air traffic controllers wouldn't lie. Just to play it safe, he put cookies and carrots on two dishes. Oh, wait a second. And he snuggled down in bed, still looking a bit suspicious. I'm not them talking. But in the morning, he saw the presents all beautifully wrapped up and tied. And he whispered in his daddy's ear, Hey, reindeer can fly. that one always gets me. I can't imagine what it'll be like once I'm a dad. But um, anyway, we have the ads. Uh, let's see. Now, remember, this is the begin- dawn of the age of the video game. So our inside front cover, we have an ad for Frogger on any of the popular systems of the time in television. Atari 2600, the Commodore VIC-20, the Commodore 64, the Texas Instrument 99-4A, the Atari Home Computers, the Atari 5200, and the ColecoVision. And they show an, an image from the Atari 5200 version, which actually probably is the better one of all of them at the time. Though I have to tell you, I had a ColecoVision, and I didn't have Frogger on it. But, uh, old school games. <sighs> Classic. Uh, the next ad page <laughs> is not is also more video games. Not real, but not really. Uh, it's called Totally Awesome by Dave Jackson, expert gamesman. And what you see is basically a uh, classic mid-80s punk rock guy. He's got the greased-up slick hair, the futuristic kind of looking sunglass shades a spiked collar looks like he's got a jean jacket on with the collar flipped up and a slight pimple by his mouth and it says the, it's another Parker Brothers ad and this is Parker Brothers arcade games that have been turned into totally cool board games such as Pole Position, Cubert, and Popeye I'm not sure how that works but okay 
Uh, the next ad is one that you wouldn't expect to see in a DC comic. It's a $1 million Christmas rebate spectacular from Garcia. As dad to help you in choosing Garcia's spinning or spin cast model fishing rods that's just right for you. And this is a jo- John Romita Jr. ad all the way through showing Spider-Man holding up the spinning combo fishing pole and a John Romita drawn Santa with a fistful of dollar bills wearing a Garcia hat. Not really mentioning Marvel Comics at all. Not really mentioning comics in general. But it's weird to see a Spider-Man ad in a DC comic. Uh, Let's see. Next up, we have an ad for another game. This is War Room. Play the game the generals play for real. And what apparently this is, is it's a Coleco game uh, that's basically, uh, you know, one of those strat- wartime strategy games. Uh, yeah. But not looking as good as you would expect, but it's, a, it's for the ColecoVision only, apparently. So, interesting. I only had three games for my ColecoVision. I had Smurfs, uh, Donkey Kong, and Zwerf? Uh, Zarf? Zwerf? I don't know. Was it, it was... Some kind of alien fighter game. Uh, let's see. Uh, next up, we have one of the hodgepodge ads. Comics from for sale from 1970 or from 1940 to 1978. Over 100,000 in stock in Coral Springs, Florida. Used video game cartridges. Uh, get an NFL bike tag for all 28 at the time teams. It's 50th anniversary of King Kong and more. Next is a house ad. But it's also not. Uh, this is Crosswords with Champions. Enter the lost world of the Warlord with Rimco Toys. And the ad is for Rimco Toy versions of Arak, Hercules, and the Warlord. As well as mentioning something bes- behind, besides uh, you know, the actual comic itself. But it's actually the Rim- Rimco Toy ads. You make DC Comics epic fantasy heroes come alive with these action figures from Rimco. Each five and a half inch figure comes complete with accessories available soon at your favorite toy store. Plus, inside the package, Battle Beneath the Earth, a full color DC comic book while supplies last. So there you go. Sword Fantasy Comics and Rimco Toys. I have neither. That's all I'm going to say. Next up is the Zorcom Spaceship ad, which is basically kind of a, a, a tent-like thing, a, a tube that the kid can play in. Um, and it's a spaceship, you can either lay it down or have it pointed straight up. Uh, it folds up really nice. And, um, yeah, that's about it. It also comes with adventure cassettes, Journey to Zorcom, in his pulsating spaceship, and hear the awesome, which is spelled wrong, voices, lasers, battles, and the beasts come to life in dramatized stereo. I didn't know you spelled awesome without any ease whatsoever. That's cool. Uh, next page is a is one of Dick Giordano's famous Meanwhile columns. Random thoughts while he was on the convention trail in 1983. Uh, at the end of the letters page, we get a nice little... Uh, preview of next issue, which apparently has Superman uh, going up, teaming up with the Vixen 
ago against Admiral Cerebus, the psychic-powered villain. Inside the back cover, we get the great monogram 1 to 24th scale car giveaway. Three will get you one free. Uh, these are monogram model cars, and the three cars that apparently they showed that you could buy are, I don't, know, I don't know, it's just random cars, really. Um, one of them actually kind of looks like Kit from Knight Rider, but without the tracking scope in the front, so it's like a regular car, but kind of made to look like, I mean, literally, it's got everything. Uh, it's a uh, 80s Trans Am black with the special nose in the front, the little airfoil thing on the front, the same kind of hubcaps and everything black. It just doesn't appear to have the tracking. So of course, the picture's not the best quality. Maybe it's there and I just can't see it. There's two other muscle cars and then an also a race car. So there you go. And the back cover is an ad for Mattelatronics or Mattel Electronics Masters of the Universe The Power of He-Man video game, which I hope looks a lot less like crap than this does. Uh, the game shown is on the Intellivision with Super Graphics. <laughs> Which, yeah. The Power of He-Man for Intellivision and the Atari 2600 is the first Masters of the Universe video game, but it could also be the last for He-Man. Because even if he survives 30 treacherous miles in his Wind Raider, he still has to battle Skeletor in the mysterious Castle Grey Skull. So there you go. And that's it for the ad. Also coming out this month from DC Comics, Wonder Woman number 313. Um, the rather plain-looking logo uh, featuring the return of Cersei. Uh, Batman number 369 features Batman against Deadshot, who is back. Flash 331. Has the Flash run his last mile? And this just shows him running and kind of getting beat up by as he's tripping, I guess. So, yeah, doesn't look good. Uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, number six. They were reprinting the Green Arrow, Green Lantern stories from the 70s. New Teen Titans, number 40. And his name is Brother Blood. With a very dark, sinister red cover from George Perez. Superman number 393, The Day They Nuked Superman, which is basically just Superman getting hit by a bunch of missiles. Now, this is pretty interesting, though, because his cape's getting tattered. And for anyone that doesn't know, pre-crisis Superman uh, had a cape of Kryptonian cloth, so it didn't get tattered. So the fact that it is on the cover means that these nukes are pretty strong. Superman doesn't look like he's in too good shape either. Uh, Batman and the Outsiders, uh, featuring the hand that rocks the cradle, with an awesome-looking Jim Aparo cover, and apparently this is a Christmas-themed issue as well, possibly featuring the Phantom Stranger. Green Lantern number 174. This is from the era where uh, Hal Jordan has just returned to Earth after his exile in space for a year, uh, and was covered by the guys over at Green Lantern's Light at GreenLanternsLight.com. Uh, this is Green Lantern 174, Target Ferris. This is where it looks like uh, it's, it's Green Lantern versus the Javelin, who was a new villain created for that part of the series. The Infinity Inc. number one came out this month. 
In fact, three days before Christmas, a new generation of superheroes is here. Basically, this is... It's a comic that takes place in modern times, but on Earth 2. So it's like the legacy heroes of the Justice Society. Just on the cover, we see the star-spangled kid, Jade. Uh, Brainwave, or the newer Brainwave. Power Girl, Huntress. The Silver Scarab and Nuclon, and it's not, I'm sorry, Brainwave Jr. is the other guy. Uh, Legion of Superheroes number 309, uh, Profit and Lost, actually shows several of the Legion bowing down to a Profit guy with someone else coming up behind him with a collar. New Talent Showcase number 3. I haven't seen this before, but... Uh, Showcases new talent, I guess. Um, let's see. Supergirl number 17. Supergirl in her in her early 80s costume with the headband and everything. Uh, stopping a car uh, with Carmine Infantino, Dick Giordano art, so it looks like, you know, not very good. The Superman special number 2, which I've read once. I don't remember what happened. Um, I'll cover that eventually. Action Comics number 553 features the Man of Steel joining forces with the Forgotten Heroes in, on the strangest mission ever of the Forgotten Heroes. Animal Man, Cave Carson, Congo Bill, Congorilla, Dane Durance, Dolphin, Immortal Man, Rick Flag, and Rip Hunter. All-Star Squadron number 31. Uncle Sam wants you to save the world. And it's a really cool Jerry Ordway cover with Uncle Sam in the background pointing at you, the reader. And in front of him, you have the members of the Justice Society and the All-Star Squadron flying, you know, in all directions. Um, you have Liberty Bell running straight at you, but you have Star Spangled Kid, uh, Batman and Robin and Manhunter and Johnny Quick and Phantom Lady... Um, the Ray, Sandman in his purple and yellow tights costume, Plastic Man, Superman, Black Condor, and Hawkman all flying off to help save the world. That is an awesome cover. You all would like that. Uh, apparently, uh, Jerry's not doing these interiors because he's busy over at uh, the Infinity Inc., but he still got the cover, and it still looks awesome. Detective Comics number 536 has a showdown in the sewers between Batman and Deathstroke. Obviously a continuation of the story from Batman. And Super New Adventures of Superboy number 51. The series is almost over at this point. This features a very not good looking cover by Frank Miller. And finally, we have World's Finest, number 301, featuring Superman and Batman working together with Superman on a rampage. That's going to be it. Unfortunately, Dave the Red-Nosed Weeder ran into some inter internet issues and some scheduling conflicts that prevented him from being able to provide a Christmas edition of Superboy in the Broad's Age. So that's going to bring us to an end of another Christmas celebration and another year here at Superman of the Bronze Age. On behalf of Dave and myself, we hope you all have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Stay safe, and we'll see you again in 2013. Take care, everybody. You have been listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer and J. David Weeder. The home of the show is at www.supermaninthebronzeage.com, where you will find show postings, links to the RSS and iTunes feeds, and more. 
You can also find the show on Facebook, where you'll get a little notice whenever a new episode is posted, and on Stitcher Smart Radio. Superman in the Bronze Age is also a proud member of the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com. There you will not only find postings for this show, but also for many other Superman-related podcasts. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thank you for listening, and God bless. Thank you.